This sermon is brought to you by Shofar East London. Together, living out the fullness of Christ. We hope you enjoy this message. This morning, we're speaking about the mark of the beast, vaccines, and the mark of the beast. Woohoo! Absolutely not controversial this morning. This is like middle of the road, boring stuff. So there's so many people asking questions. Is it safe? Is it not? Is it true? And since people have been hearing that I'm going to be speaking about this, I have been receiving beautiful messages, updates on the mystical and the wild and the weird. And it's been like, uh, so the one guy also asked me yesterday, uh, he received this via WhatsApp about vaccines. I could pick up, it's a bit negative. And and he asked, can I send it to you? He said, it's okay. I have covered it. I have covered it. I've covered it all, all sides. I've been reading for months, and uh, it's been difficult just to break it down into uh, something that I can <laughs> present to you today. So it's been, it's been quite a challenge to, uh, to tackle this. But so is there a connection between vaccines and the mark of the beast? Are the vaccines safe? Is it not Okay, so this morning is going to be a little bit different than a usual Sunday message, okay? So I'm going to want to actually want to go into, we're going to go into a bit of history, a history lesson. Uh, we're also going to go into uh, specifically the science of vaccines a little bit and hopefully pull it all together in a way that's going to add value to your lives. Okay, so what I ask of you is to please just whatever you know thus far, whatever you've read, whatever you've watched, just park it for a moment. Okay, just park it. Don't fight me. Don't, don't fight me. Just uh, allow me to take you on a bit of a journey this morning and, and allow ultimately the spirit of truth to minister to your heart. Okay, can I ask that? Also, don't start throwing rocks. Just, 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 just hold on. Okay, it's, uh, um, I'm, I'm taking an, uh, an angle. I will, I, I can't help myself. I will take a position and uh, I normally take a strong position about things and uh, it's not a very popular position I'm going to take and I'm not going to sell any books by the position that I'm taking. Okay. But so anyway, so please hold your horses. Don't throw rocks. Breathe deeply and let's go on a journey. Amen. Okay. Let me pray. Father, thank you, Jesus, that Lord, you are the truth. And we welcome your spirit of truth here this morning. Lord, that you will lead us to find clarity in this turbulent season. And so, Lord, we just pray that your Holy Spirit would minister to us and that every one of us would hear what you are saying to us ultimately in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody say, Amen. Okay, and and, and why is this a very important topic to tackle? Because literally lives are at stake. Lives are at stake in terms of the position that we take along vaccines and mark the beast, all of that. So uh, 1 Chronicles 12 verse 32 uh, is one of our theme scriptures in this series where we're speaking about the end times or understanding the times. It says, of the sons of Issachar who had understanding of the times. These guys had understanding. And it says to know what Israel ought to do. In other words... You can't know what to do if you don't understand what's happening 
in society, in life? What, what season are we in? So you need to understand so that you can know how you are supposed to live. So principle number one that I shared two, a few weeks ago, the first message in the series, I shared that context is king. Whatever you're facing, whenever you need to make a decision about anything in life, take a step back, see the bigger picture. Like this morning, we're going to look at vaccines and we're going to look at plagues and diseases in history to give us a bit of a bigger picture. But like most of us, when we hit 2020 and COVID-19 and lockdown is like, what is this? Well, just take a step back and look at history, and you're like, okay, well, this has been here before, and we've seen it before, and we've seen it before. This is nothing new. It's just another level because of social media and uh, everything that goes with it. So principle number two that I shared last week, if we want to understand the times, we need to fear God and honor the King. So the fear of God, the holy reverence for the greatness of God just helps us to cut through the, cl- the clutter, the, the confusion. When we understand how big God is and how small the enemy is, it helps you to understand life. Okay, and, and the word of God says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning, the beginning of knowledge, true knowledge. When we honor and reverence God in His ways, again, it cuts through all the confusion in terms of how we should respond. And I mean, currently, there's a lot of suspicions around. Yeah? My dog picture there. It's like, you. it's sus, man. It's sus. It's suspicious. I check these comments on these sites, and everybody's like, ooh, it's vaccine things. It's sus, man. It's something wrong with it. Ah, it, just, it doesn't feel right. Not going to take it. Oh, it's the mark of the beast. Oh, it's going to change your DNA. It's going to mind control you, and that's the end. It's us. Okay, so that's the one position. Checking you out, eh? Doesn't look, it's not cool. It's not cool. Okay, it's very suspicious. Not going to take it. And so as I spoke to somebody this morning in, in their company of thousands of people, I mean, he said to me that it, from his experience so far, it's like the, in the company, it's 50-50. People are like, not going to take the vaccine, 50%. And some are like, maybe, I not, don't know. <laughs> you know, so there's confusion about it. And I want to I wanna help you guys this morning to, to find clarity. Okay, so it's one thing to have an opinion, theoretical opinion about something that's far, far away. Yeah, I have an opinion. doesn't impact anything. But it's different when it becomes real. And when it becomes real is when somebody close to you dies. Loved one, work colleague, then it's real. You know, then it's not, not a joke anymore. You like even with I spoke to some of our doctors um, in church, and they shared that at those peaks when the, they spoke about you know, the flatten the curve, flatten the curve. Well, if you speak to the doctors, they will tell you that at the peak in these hospitals here in our town, it was chaos. Some of the guys said they didn't have enough time to to type into the computers that someone has died because of COVID-19. They need to decide, will I save another life or will I type in this person died from COVID-19? So if you're on the ground and you speak to them, then you realize somebody made up. uh, This is not fake. This is not some scheme somebody made up. Uh, It's very real and there are lives at stake. You know, so again, context 
You know, for us sitting at home and we have no clue in terms of personal experience, you don't have context. But go walk into the hospital, go stand next to the doctor and see what hell they go through to save lives and where they need to decide now who's going to live and who's going to die. That's massive. It's like with one of our guys in church, he's, um, he's a do- medical doctor. His dad got COVID. He couldn't get into any hospitals in Cape Town. And then in the end, they got him into the one. And then he was in ICU. And then the doctor there phoned him to ask him, is it okay if we move your dad out of ICU? Because there's another younger man around 40s with two kids. If I don't put him in ICU, he's going to die. So now this man had to decide about his dad's future. Now, that's that's just got real. His dad was taken out of ICU three, four days later. He passed. That's real. That's very, very real. It's in your face. This is not just a theoretical thing we're talking about here. There are lives at stake. Okay. So, you know, what, what I've also seen is because we don't have context, we don't know about real pandemics in our era, the last 30 years or so. We just don't have context. But if you look at history, suddenly you understand a whole lot more. You understand the lives that are at stake. You understand how governments tend to intervene. (laughs) You understand how quarantines came in. So I'm going to take you through some of those things. Okay, but first of all, I want to take you to uh, a few diseases to give you some context. So polio is a disease that paralyzed many children and also killed some. Here's a picture of some kids that were paralyzed because of polio. And then here's another picture of the 1950s of a newspaper headline. It looks a lot like our headlines. (laughs) Polio vaccine safe, 80 to 90% effective, seen approaching 100%. And because it's between 80 and 90% effective and even more, the disease could be eradicated, which, which happened. Polio, for those who've been vaccinated, is no longer an issue. So in the 1950s, there was an outbreak of polio in various parts of the world and here in South Africa. So here's a photo of my dad and his older brother. So in November 1957, my dad was in grade four. This photo was taken in 1951. His brother Gerard was a gifted boy, 11 years old, was in grade seven. Talented young sportsman, my dad's hero. My dad looked up to his older brother. And then on a Monday afternoon in November 1957, Gerard came home crying. Terrible headache. When they saw he had a fever, they took him to hospital immediately. They found out he has polio. By Wednesday, he was completely paralyzed. He could not breathe anymore, and then he died. They couldn't do a funeral. The family was quarantined for 40 days. They were like, avoided like the plague. And my grandmother, who was a very religious lady... She believed this was God's punishment. She believed that she's being punished for loving her son too much. So she pulled away from my dad. Didn't love him. It was was a real mess. Because she didn't have a really biblical understanding of life, of God, that God's good. He's not the author of disease. But this world is messed up. God 
is the author of bacteria and vaccines. He made it. It was supposed to help us and be a blessing, which many of it is. But because of the original curse, because of original sin, this world became cursed and some viruses and some bacteria became destructive. So this was a, I mean, my dad spoke to me about that moment, that, that season, 30, 40 years later with still tears in his eyes of losing his older brother. Now the, the, the fact is they had a vaccine and they vaccinated up to grade three, but not the older kids. So if Gerard was, if he was vaccinated, he would have still been here today. He would be around 76 years old today. But he died. And it's one thing for us, I mean, it's terrible when anybody dies, when it's a parent or a loved one or a spouse. But I tell you, it's next level when a child dies. And that is the history of plagues and disease. It often came for the kids. And it was, it was horrific. So what does, my question is this today, what does love look like? What does love demand from us? I mean, in a sense, love demands that I talk about this today. Love demands that I bring some clarity to all of us to help us understand the times and how we should respond. Let's say, hypothetically speaking, the vaccines that are coming out now are helpful, not dangerous, not the mark of the beast, and could actually save lives. But half the country says, no, it's bad for you, and we don't take it, and people die, hypothetically speaking. Now, that would be sad, wouldn't it? Okay, so let me take you on a journey, because what I, what I, what I also pick, pick up is, like, in this era, there's a lot of suspicion about everything. Big pharma Pharmaceutical companies, oh, they're evil. Governments, oh, they're evil. <laughs> CEOs, Bill Gates, oh, evil. It's just, just all these suspicions going on. What if it's not true? What if there's a bunch of people living in a false reality where a whole lot of people are being demonized in a sense? And what is, what is, where does it leave us as believers? Unloving, unkind, dishonoring. So I'm just putting it out there. I want to challenge your thinking on some of these things. So how do we understand these times we're living in? Principle number three that I want to leave with us today is love casts out all fear. 1 John 4 verse 17. You can't love when you're suspicious. Love has been perfected among us in this, amongst believers in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Now, the day of judgment is a terrible, scary day. So if we can have boldness in the day of judgment, we can have boldness in every season of our lives. Boldness because of love. Because as he is, that's Jesus, so are we in the world. We are supposed to reveal God to this world. And part of revealing God is that we are the, the defenders of truth. We're supposed to promote the truth, not confusion. You see, there is no fear in love, verse 18, but, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. So we need to embrace the love of God, which moves us to do what is right for the sake of others. So will we... Yeah, part of being fearless is to stand in the midst of opposition. <laughs> to stand for what is the, what is the truth? What is, what is right? 
Okay, so let me take you down a, a, a bit of a journey down history. Robert Heinlein is a quote from him. He says, a generation which ignores history has no past and no future. That's so the truth. If we don't understand where we're coming from, we don't have a context for history, we don't really understand how do we get here and where, how are we going to going forward. And that's why we need to know the Word of God, the Bible specifically, and the history that is revealed through the Word of God. Because history is ultimately His story. God's story that He is still writing. So we need to understand, we need to have context and I understand it's difficult for some of us. We have, some of us have read so many things and watched so many things that have been, become part of our, our way of looking that it is hard for some of us to shift out of that. Yeah, I mean, even with, uh, with Vian, our son, when he was a baby, so now we're taking him for vaccinations and his cute little body, yeah, all the mommies will know. He's like, oh, cute. There's nothing wrong. Everything's, Beautiful, and now you go to have injections, like sure, and the baby's crying, and mommy's dying, and you know, <laughs> it's like, oh, this is terrible. Should we really do it? So let me take you down a bit of history and the diseases of the past to explain to you that there's something so much more worse than having an injection in your arm. Okay, so let's go back to 1347. This is like one of the worst, worst, the plague or the Black Death. So the plague hit Europe. Uh, some estimate that 50 to 60% of Europe perished in four years. Around 200 million people died. Now imagine for a moment South Africa, almost 60 million people, 60% die in four years. That's like, what, 35 plus million, 40 million people dying. Let's some say, say some towns, 90% of the town dead. When you get it within two to five days, you die. Some, and it was horrible. It's like the, your lymph glands would get swollen and become the size of oranges or apple, and then it would burst, and you would cough up blood, and it was horrific. And it, no, and no one knew what to do. They didn't know how to solve it. They didn't know what's happening. So they were like becoming superstitious about everything. They were killing cats and dogs and anything. They were like they don't know what's going on. And that's what happens when people become fearful. Would you grab at any possible theory? Like 5G producing the, the COVID-19, which is, by the way, not true, okay? It's just, sorry. <laughs> Look at the science. It's clear. So that plague killed around 80%. If you got it, 8 out of 10 people would die from the plague. The worst other case were like 90, some versions of it, 90 to 95%. You're dead. It was absolutely horrific. COVID-19, 2.5% die, even less of those who become infected. So in Venice in the 1300s, they began to implement a 40-day forced isolation. This is one of the keys that they helped to contain the plague in Europe was quarantine. When new sailors come in, they say, no, 40 days quarantine. They, they called it quarantino, and that's where we'll get the word from quarantine. And we see this all through the ages, how governments would intervene and try to help and protect their people to bring in quarantines, to cause people to isolate, to socially distance, and so forth. Okay, so now I want to take you to smallpox, which is basically one of the most scary diseases in, in history. Now, this picture is from 1901, classic picture. The one boy was vaccinated. Which one do you think? Not a trick question. 
<laughs> the one was vaccinated, the other one wasn't. Both were exposed to smallpox. The one obviously developed the disease. Smallpox was endemic to Europe, to Asia, to Arabia for centuries. It was a persistent menace that killed three out of ten people. Thirty percent died. COVID, 2.5% or less, this killed 30%. 30% death rate. Here's a quote from one of the guys in the 1600s that says, The havoc of the plague had been far more rapid. But the plague had visited our shores only once or twice within living memory. And the smallpox was always present, filling the churchyards with corpses, tormenting with constant fears all whom it had not yet stricken, leaving on those whose lives it spared the hideous traces of its power, turning the babe into a changeling at which the mother shuddered and making the eyes and cheeks of the betrothed maiden objects of horror to the lover. I mean, it was, it was terrible. It def- it left terrible scars on the face if you survived it. Centuries later, smallpox was one of the first uh, viruses to receive a vaccine and to be eradicated from society, which is amazing. Then measles. I didn't know measles were so deadly, but it was. A prominent Boston uh, United States clergyman, Cotton Mather, he wrote in 1713 in his diary of an approaching measles epidemic. He says, the measles coming into the town is likely to be a time of sickness, much trouble in the families of the neighborhood. In short order, as the rest of the town suffered, measles infected most of his family members. It killed his wife, his newborn twins, another daughter, and the family's maid within a few weeks. And that's what often happened. Many, many kids died. Measles Today, only kill around 0.2% in Western nations, but up to 10% would die in areas with lack of adequate health care and nutrition. So here's some stats. Vaccines have reduced measles cases from 1980, 3.8 million infected, to 2017, only 173,000. But we can see it at how um, the age, ages of people have increased over time because of things like vaccines. It's not only vaccines, but Because of these things, um, life expectancy has increased dramatically. Another terrible disease, diphtheria. It was a terrifying epidemic that swept through different parts of the world. In some cases, they say entire families died of the disease. Terrible thing in your throat, and you can't breathe at some point. They had to make holes in your throat to get people to breathe. It was was a mess. There was treatments were largely ineffective. They say about 32% of children under the age of 10 died of diphtheria in some towns. Uh, The case fatality ratio is almost 40%. 40% COVID-19, 2.5 less. The the one quote there, it says, it was literally the plague among children. Many families lost three or four children. Many lost all. And so we can name another disease, and you can name another disease, and you can name another disease. And because of things like vaccines and medical care that we have today, we don't know this. I mean, how many kids do you know that have died? I know of one that we prayed for in a hospital that got meningitis in the brain and died at the age of four. It was so traumatic. That's one that I know of. 
So history shows us that time and time again, governments would intervene, they would try to help, they would instigate some controls or regulations, and as things settle down, then they will, um, things will get back to a sense of normality. At times, vaccines in the past were compulsory. It is technically compulsory for kids. They can't go to school. They should show the, the vaccination document that they have been vaccinated. Why? Because for the health of everybody, to protect the health of everybody. It just makes sense. I mean, in the past, you couldn't travel to some countries because of, say, yellow fever. So you had to get a yellow fever shot, otherwise you don't get into the country. It's not to be controlling, it's to try and save lives. When we went to India, I had like all the shots I could possibly take. Because <laughs> I was going to pray for people and, I, and, and, and touch lepers and whatever else. And I was just like, I don't want to get something that is incurable. So it just makes, it just makes sense. Common sense. Okay, so here's one of the truths I want to share with you, and I know this is challenging for some of us, but COVID-19 isn't a sinister ploy used by governments to take people's freedom away. Click, click, click. It's just the truth. I know some of us will kick against it. Oh, they're taking away our freedoms. and they. No, they're trying to help. They're trying to help. They're trying to help. Okay, so vaccines and your immune system. So there's a picture about the immune system. Now, you can obviously just go online and go read some of why, why vaccines and how vaccines work. But it, they are the most effective way to prevent infectious diseases. So uh, a vaccine simply assists your bodies, your God-given immune system. I mean, God designed your body to fight when a foreign uh, uh, virus or bacteria comes into your body. Your body picks up, hey, that's bad. So it assaults that, it attacks it. And in some cases, our bodies battle to to determine that's bad. So a vaccine helps your body to, 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 it trains your body to know, hey, I need to fight that. Okay. So that's really important to understand. So one of the original um, ways that they vaccinated was variolation. Um, they also say that there are three, three things why people are living so much longer these days. The one is clean water, the second one is antibiotics, and the third one is vaccines. Those three things have helped society for us to be healthy. I mean, how many of us have had antibiotics in our lifetime? Quite a few times. If you didn't get it, you probably would have been dead. Okay? So... These things make a difference. They say annual use of recommended vaccines for children has been estimated to avert up to 3 million deaths per year globally, and obviously even greater numbers have prevented cases of illness and substantial disability. Now, when it comes to variolation, you can see a picture here in China, they did variolation. So they didn't know how to do vaccines, or they didn't yet develop the how to do it. Um, so what they did was they took scabs, of people that had smallpox, and they would f- make it small, fine, and then they would blow it up after it's dried out. They would blow it up your, blow it into your nose. And it worked. They say it saved many, many, many lives, but two to three percent of people actually died. That's about COVID-19. But they were willing, that's the death rate of COVID-19, but they were willing to, 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 to take that risk because of the amount of people that were dying because of smallpox okay so that's really important to understand um, but they were looking for something better obviously two to three percent people dying is not not great 
So here's a, a quote by Benjamin Franklin, American president from the 1700s. He says, in 1736, I lost one of my sons, a fine boy of four years old, taken by the smallpox in the common way. He says, I long regretted that I'd not given it to him by inoculation or the variolation, that technique that the Chinese started, which I mentioned for the sake of parents who omit that operation on the supposition that they should, they should never forgive themselves if a child died under it because there is a risk. But I mean, literally the child could die because of the way that they did it. But he says, my example showing that the regret may be the same either way and that therefore the safer should be chosen. So two, even with the threat of 2 to 3% dying, the President of the United States said it was worth the risk because of the numbers of people that are dying. And the fact is we know of no people dying of the, of the new vaccines. But I know that it's being spread like so many are dying there. I, I'm, 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 the, the science doesn't bear that up from my perspective. Okay. So in 1796, there was a man called Edward Jenner. And he inoculated an eight-year-old boy by taking pus from the cowpox lesions on a milkmaid's hands and introducing the fluid into a cut he made in the boy's arms. So they found out that cowpox, like it's not a very serious disease, but they took cowpox pus and injected it into people to expose them to this gentler virus, and that actually inoculated people against smallpox. Okay, and that's where the whole journey of uh, vaccination started. And it's quite incredible. If you look at how they did vaccines in the past, I mean, they would literally grow the pus on the, on cow's bellies. Then they would extract it and inject it into people to save lives. Thank God they're not doing it like that anymore. <laughs> the way that they're doing vaccines now is so clean, hygienically clean. It is, it is, it is, Next level technology. It really is amazing. So I want to ask this question to you. Who are you listening to? Again, this is applying wisdom. It feels like I went on to focus on the families, one of their talks on vaccinations and, and, and COVID-19. And they interviewed two doctors. Now, guys, focus on the families, one of the most respected international ministries. They've been faithful, balanced, biblical for like 50 years. Amazing. I mean, people listen to them about every area of their lives. So I went on to this and I watched how they interviewed these two doctors who were not paid to be on it and they're giving their lives to everything and I'm listening. I'm like, man, this is beautiful. There's so much common sense. That makes sense. Yes, this is wonderful. So I go down to the comments on YouTube. I couldn't believe it. Nine out of 10 people commenting was like accusing focus on the family of being deceptive, um, lying. Uh, accusing the doctors of being bought by big pharma. These are Christians. These are Christians who are not willing to accept somebody's uh, ministry's balance and his, historically good fruit um, in, in, in the ministry. And, and they are like accusing them, demonizing them. I was, I just, I didn't know what to do with it. <laughs> and so I want to ask you, who are you listening to? Are you really willing to receive a WhatsApp from a random stranger claiming outlandish things and to say, well, I believe this. And then your pastor, if you're part of this church, <laughs> who's been reading for three months and uh, 
brings a different perspective and it's just, it's just, it's just crazy. It's like people are living in another reality where you can trust nothing and no one. That doesn't make sense, people. So I want to ask you, if you get something random, unless it's a really good joke, <laughs> delete it. Delete it. You should look at somebody's track record. You should look if they are biblical. You should look if they are balanced. And if they are obsessed with end times things, they're probably unbalanced. That's just my very humble opinion. Okay. So who are you listening to? Don't fall for it. Okay, so quickly, just want to touch on something, kinds of vaccines. So you saw there the diagrams of variolations. The first one, 1400s, 1700s. Then we get into modern-day vaccines from the 1800s. And they make basically four kinds of vaccines. The one is they inject a weakened virus into your body, like the MMR one, the smallpox, yellow fever, the weakened one, very small bits of it. You don't really, should not even have symptoms or very mild symptoms. Then they inject at times a dead virus, hepatitis A, polio, flu, and rabies, completely dead. But the material causes an immune response in your body, toxoid ones, and then a part of the virus. So they don't even inject the virus, just a little bit part of the virus. And that's how they're done with hepatitis B, whooping cough, shingles. And now the, the latest ones, the mRNA ones and the vector vaccines are a step up, which is, I think it is actually incredible technology. So I'm like, we all get excited about the next iPhone. Why aren't we excited about the next level upgraded vaccine? I don't know. I don't know. Okay. So, so mRNA um, vaccines are a new type of vaccine to protect against infectious diseases. So here's a, a diagram. How does it work? So you get injected with this. The, the mRNA and the vector ones, they basically both have instructions that are implanted into the body, it goes into the cell, and it causes your body to produce proteins, the little spikes on the, say, the COVID-19 virus. It just produces the spike so that your body can know how to fight it. Now, if you look at the history of vaccines, we're not talking about, you know, pus from a cow's belly being injected into people, you know. <laughs> we're now at a point where the virus doesn't need to be produced outside, which takes a long time, which would take maybe years to produce for the whole world. Now they have a, a manufacturing way of, of just genetically coding one part of the virus. They inject it into the body. It goes into the cell. It doesn't impact your DNA. It doesn't change your DNA. It doesn't go into the nucleus. And then your body codes or makes that, those little proteins, proteins, the little spikes. Uh, if you go to the next one, you have the spike and then, um, you know, the lymphocyte, then as it produced, your body picks up, that's your white blood cell, your immune response happens, and then when the real virus comes, you already have the capacity to fight it. Okay, so it doesn't go into your DNA. Um, yeah, so let me, let me answer this. Why should we believe the official scientific Position, Because that's people like, oh, they're lying, it's not true, it's all a scheme. Okay, let's apply common sense just for a moment. There are too many different independent role players to this whole thing. It's not just a secretive 
organization from the middle of China that doesn't allow anybody to check what's in these things and they are producing it for the whole world. I will also run if it was then. We're talking about multiple companies, scores of universities and researchers, probably thousands of researchers. We're talking about quality control. We're talking about every nation having their own people on it to check what is in these things. It is impossible to be control, to be that sinister scheme to control all these role players so that no one can figure out there's something bad in these things. So that's why I'm like, this is testable, verifiable science. I'm going with it. It makes common sense to go with it. As I said, I would be worried if there's one sinister group in communist China producing it. So a few facts about COVID-19. You can put on the, the facts there. They, they, the, the vaccines can't give you the virus because it's only a, a part of the virus. doesn't go into your DNA, uh, as I said. And uh, they say that the cell that's injected is broken down relatively quickly, uh, within a day or two, the, the, the traces of what was injected should be gone. They've been doing human trials since um, 2013, actually, on RNA. They've been working with this technology for a decade or two, and they haven't found long-term damage to people. Okay. So why? Why vaccinate? Well, I would say love. <laughs> Love response because we love people. Because we care about people, we, I, I'm like, yes, let's do it. That's just my, my take on it. So the safety of vaccines. Does vaccines cause autism? That's one of the things that's been said. And it was amazing for me to actually read up about this. They say in more than 30 years of research, there's been no causal connection established between vaccinations and autism. Like any other medication, though, vaccines do can cause side effects, but it's normally very mild, just redness on the spot. So I want to, you know, so, so there's one of these cases that cause people to really have a scare about vaccines. And it comes from 1998. They say, basically, some people ignore the overwhelming evidence and still believe the connection exists be because you know, this is between vaccines and, uh, and autism, because it was given credence in 1998 by the publication of a fraudulent research paper in the British medical journal, The Lancet. So let me read that, what it says about Andrew Wakefield. And I've read both sides. Some people, he's claiming, no, he's being bullied by some bad people. But if you read both sides, this man looks very guilty of scheming and taking payments. So look at it. it says, the paper that they published in 1998 claiming that there's a connection that vaccines cause autism. It says, that paper was later retracted when it was discovered that chief researcher, a British surgeon named Andrew Wakefield, had manipulated the data and failed to disclose they'd been paid more than $600,000 by lawyers looking to win a lawsuit against vaccine manufacturers. That's a fact. In May 2010, British regulators revoked Wakefield's license, finding him guilty of serious professional misconduct. They concluded that his work was irresponsible and dishonest, and that he had shown a callous disregard for the children in his study. Despite this, people are still promoting the vaccines are dangerous, vaccines are dangerous, vaccines are dangerous, and this guy is spearheading the, a lot of the conspiracy theories. Now, the next question is, well, what about vaccines and aborted fetal cells? Because their claim now is that these vaccines, actually that fetal, you know, aborted baby cells are 
implanted or, or, or injected into our bodies. Now, all the research that, that, uh, that I've read from, from specialists, they, you know, it's, it's like some of the aborted fetal cells come out of the 1960s. Only some of the vaccines were, some of it were grown in next generation. So they, they use the, the cells that, that are multiplied and they need to grow the vaccines in some form of cells. They often use animals' cells, but uh, in some cases they use human cells and to, to grow it. So here's a quote from National Catholic Bioethics Center. They say, any product grown in these or other cell lines derived from abortions, therefore, has a distant association with abortion. It's like, like maybe there was an abortion in the 1960s, and the cells have been multiplied over time, and now that line of cells is being used. It says, the cells in these lines have gone through multiple divisions before they are used in vaccine manufacture. After manufacture, the vaccines are removed from the cell lines, and purified. In other words, no human cells or specifically aborted fetal cells are injected into the body via these vaccines. And I understand people are tense about abortion. I understand that. But it seems like no human cells are being injected into. It's just, it's just grown in the cells. And hopefully as well, there, there are different Vaccines. So if one of them maybe have a trace of, you know, being grown in an aborted fetal cell originally, then you could maybe choose another one if that is an issue for you. But think about this in terms of the morality about this. Someone is murdered. They, they go to hospital, they die in hospital. Someone else is dying and they, doctors decide to use the kidneys of the person that was murdered to save somebody else's life. The person receiving the kidneys, did they have anything to do with the original murder? Are they morally culpable? No, they're not. So from my perspective, it makes moral sense. You did not kill nobody. You did, you're not responsible for the original possible abortion, but people's lives can be saved now. So my perspective is I don't have an issue with it. I think morally speaking, we are not promoting then abortion or anything like that. We're simply saving lives. Okay, I hope it makes sense, but you need to decide what you want to do there. So to vaccinate or not to vaccinate, what question is what does love look like? Because literally lives are at stake. Let's say, again, as I said earlier, let's say half of the country says, man, I don't believe in this and I'm not going to take it. Oh, what if people die? What if we are misinformed, we make wrong decisions and people die? That, that would be really sad. So that's why I am today taking a position on this. And I want to encourage you. I will, I will take the vaccine. I want to encourage you to take the vaccine. I want to encourage you to encourage others to take the vaccine. Um, it's been checked. There are quality control. There are, it should be safe. Okay, hoy, rocks. Yes. How dare you? <laughs> That's just my advice. Common sense advice. So, back to my dog video, my dog picture. But, could it be the mark of the beast? Could it be? Could it be? Okay, so, few pointers. Common sense pointers. Number one, there's quality control. They're going to find out if something 
extra is being put into the vaccines. Okay, that's the one thing. Another point to consider is that the mark of the beast in the book of Revelation, it is debatable if it's a physical mark or a spiritual mark. Let me show you, just very quickly ending off, Revelation 7 verse 2 speaks of the people of God being marked with a seal from heaven. It's definitely spiritual. It says, then I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels, the servants of our God, saying, do not harm the earth, the sea, or the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. Don't go, don't, don't let all the destruction yet happen until the people of God have been sealed and protected. It's definitely a spiritual seal. So there's a whole lot of debate, as I said last week, about the ways to interpret the book of Revelation. There's four different ways to interpret the book of Revelation. There are some historical contexts where Christians couldn't sell because uh, of the era of the Roman, uh, some of the Roman emperors and also among the uh, Roman papacy. If you're not a committed staunch follower of the whoever, you couldn't trade. So there might have been some fulfillment of that already. But now Revelation 13 verse 16, the classic passage, it says, He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand and or on their foreheads. And that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here's wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, his number is 666. Okay, there's a lot of opinions about that. The, the one point that it's saying we may not buy or sell, that sort of wants to pull it over to maybe it's a physical mark. I, I, I will ad, admit that. Okay, but so let's do, let's do it like this. Quick, a few common sense Arguments concerning the mark of the beast. Let's assume it is a physical mark. Let's assume it is something that will be implanted either on the hand or the head, the forehead. Here's some of my common sense. Because, you know, common sense isn't also common. Isn't always so common. Okay, so I'm, gonna, I'm trying to help a little bit here with a bit of common sense. Okay, point number one. You will need to make a decision to deny Christ before you can receive the mark. At the very least. It can't be from a vaccine. You didn't know. You're afraid of COVID-19. Oops, sorry, I'm going to go to hell now. No. You have to, we see it in history. People had to make a decision to say either deny Christ or die. And then people had to make a decision. So you will have to make a decision. Okay, point number one. Point number two. Who would be that stupid? Let me sketch it to you. We have businesses, pharmaceutical companies, international pharmaceutical companies. Their mission is to add value to people's lives. They make products that add value to people's lives. And yes, they want to make money. They know, I mean, it's multiple companies, all of them wanting to bring the product to us and to help us and obviously to make money. Now, if you were that business... And I mean, you would do everything you can to make it as clean and as safe as possible. Because if you get caught out, it's going to be international news. It will be your brand, the end of your brand, the end of your company, putting other foreign substances into a vaccine that is detrimental to people's lives. So my question, if you're a business, I mean, some of us here are business owners, we're business people, who would be that stupid 
that you would put your whole company, future, all the families, everybody being fed through your business, put all of that on, on the line. When you know there's going to be quality control, people are going to check it up. Who would be that stupid? My question, my answer is I don't think anybody's going to be that stupid. That's just my common sense. Number three, multiple sources, variety of companies, not just one company. So why would like the one is not the max, you know, the mark of the beast, the other is or not, you know, it doesn't make sense. Number four, in Western culture, I mean, in our societies, our people are so focused on privacy. I mean, they freak out if you're just checking what they're doing on the internet. I mean, it's like privacy is the thing. Do we really think that in Western culture, democratic society, that some, suddenly everyone's going to stand up and say, please put the chip on my head so you can check everything I do? Anybody signing up? No. Doesn't make sense. Not in the current climate. I mean, with all of COVID-19, the last year plus and all the action, is there anybody that you know that's like pushing for let's put chips in people? With all the action. No, people didn't even want to download this app on their phones. Like, it's, you know, they don't know who you are just to check your COVID, the COVID spread stuff. People are like, eh, nope. My wife is like, nah. <laughs> not gonna, not gonna put it. So I'm saying it's not gonna happen now. Something massive needs to, next level needs to happen to shift culture to a point that we like, can I please have a chip? Not soon. Number five. Maybe somewhere else. Maybe in China, maybe North Korea. I don't know. But praise God, we are in South Africa. <laughs> Woohoo! I don't know. Is this common sense working for you? I hope it's working for you. It works for me. It's just like it really works for me. <laughs> okay. So I want to ask this question. Ending off. Will we be marked by love or will we be marked by fear? I say let's be marked by love. And then I want to share this last story. You can put the photo up of Mike. So I'm, I'm sure all of us know of somebody that's died because of COVID. So Mike, his wife is in church with us and precious family, precious people. So for 30 years, she's been praying for Mike. Debbie's been praying for Mike. Because he's a businessman, wealthy businessman, not interested in Jesus, not interested in God. So he gets COVID in November, in hospital for like five weeks or something like that. Couldn't breathe, struggled. And we hear that in hospital, he prayed the prayer to commit his life to Jesus, which is beautiful. So 24 December, he comes out of the hospital and we all like, praise God, he's solved, sorted. Beginning January, he goes back to hospital, permanent damage on his lungs because of COVID. Couldn't breathe, couldn't function. So now I am hearing he's on his deathbed, so I got special permission to go visit him in hospital. And it, oh, it was a moment. It really affected me. As I walked in, you know, Mike was, and he's a big guy, you know, he's a wealthy businessman, he's got means, but here he is, and he's, I mean, I can just imagine, you realize you don't have control over life or death, you don't, you're not, you, you, you don't, you need God. And so as I walked in, you know, the tears just started to run down his face. And I had the privilege of, like, officially, you know, he was, he was afraid, he was terrified. And I prayed with him, you know, just really committing his life to Christ and praying for God's peace to come. I prayed for healing, didn't happen, but prayed for him. 
And I asked him, Mike, how are you feeling? And he said, man, I've, I've got peace. I've just got, he's got, he received a supernatural peace. Because this God thing is real, people. <laughs> Jesus is real, and he loves people. And it was my honor to pray with him to officially commit his life to Christ. And he died a few days later, and he's in heaven, praise God. But he committed his life to Jesus, and that was for me the win. But I know that if we had vaccines, he would still be alive. So what does love look like? I want to make it personal. I want to make it personal because it is personal when it comes and knocks on your door or your family's door or your loved one's doors. And then we need to do all we can. That's my philosophy. Do all you can in the natural and spiritual. We pray, we trust Jesus, but we, we use science and we use medical things. We do all that we can because all of that's of God. It's not like there's God and then there's the world. It's like it's all of God. It's a blessing of God. So in the 1700s, Christians were at the forefront of vaccination. They were pushing it because they were saying, this is God's gift, God's blessing to us. Right. So I advise all of us, take a common sense approach. Calm down. <laughs> Let love reign in our hearts and lives. Let's take a vaccine. If you get the opportunity, let's encourage others to take the vaccine. If you need to evaluate things, do it. Ultimately, you need to make the decision. But I want to encourage you to not be afraid. Amen. Awesome. Please stand with me. I want to end off just by sharing this one last thing. There's one disease that is worse than any other disease. It's got a 100% kill rate. It's called sin. It's called sin. Every human being is born with this infection in their heart, in their spirit, in their soul. And God has provided for us. Jesus went to the cross to provide a vaccine, a remedy for us. He shed his blood to help us to, so that we can be cleansed, cleaned, washed clean by the blood of Jesus. So I want to ask you today, where are you in your relationship with Jesus? I might not be there on your deathbed to pray with you. Why not commit your life to Jesus today and allow God to wash you clean with his precious blood and to remove this disease from your soul, from your spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening. Find more on Shofar East London's podcast channel. Let's do life together.